This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us today is Michael Davey, a Schenectady, New York native, author of a book called Privileged, Experiences from My Unusual 40-Year Career with One of America's Most Iconic Companies. Good to talk with you, Michael. Thank you for having me this morning, Bob. It's a pleasure. Privileged, and the way he makes the title of the book, or uh, has it printed on the, on the book cover, I presume, or in, in his other communications about it, there's a GE in Privileged, because uh, Michael Davies' 40-year career was with General Electric. And you also note that your four immigrant grandparents all worked for GE in Schenectady, where did they come from, and, and what did they do at GE? Well, that's right, Bob. Uh, all four grandparents are from the Campania region of Italy. That's kind of the central band across Italy, which is kind of in line with the port of Naples, where they all sailed from. And the two grandfathers came first, uh, well before World War One, and uh, one of them, neither one of them came to Schenectady first. One went to uh, New Haven, Connecticut, where typically they had relatives and friends from local towns near them in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other went to Rome, New York, where, again, he was with some other relatives and friends from back home. And both came as young teens. And eventually to Schenectady, because of the need for uh, employment in GE's massive plant here. Both were not formally educated uh, as they came as teenagers, uh, but they they worked hard and they learned fast. And GE was uh, quick to pick up on that with many uh, many hundreds of immigrants that they hired back then. Sure. I mean, do you know the kind of work that your grandfathers did? Y- yes. Uh, the one, my mom's dad, Antonio. He was mainly, uh, he had some background, apparently, that he picked up in New Haven in uh, wiring and electrical work. So he got trained to wire uh, switchboards, and I do have records of uh, he completed an armature winding course at GE. So he did some switchboard wiring there. The other grandfather worked on uh, the monitor top refrigerators, which were at the time one of GE's top selling appliances. Really? There was yes. always a story in my family. I'm not sure of the absolute accuracy of it. My, we're from Amsterdam, and my father had worked at GE in the 20s, and I'm not sure doing what, and then got laid off and never went back, and he ended up working in the Amsterdam carpet mills. But the story was when he got laid off in the Depression, they were talking about uh, sh- shipping him over to the refrigerator department, but alas, that never happened. Interesting. What about your, you, you said all four grandparents, and your grandmothers also worked at GE? Yes, that's right, Bob. What happened, I guess, during the wartime, many men, as you know, were tied up in military service. So GE was trying to augment the workforce, and many women were hired uh, in that period, and both grandmothers went to work at GE in the 1940s, uh, both doing... Uh, peace-type work, uh, inspections of of parts, and uh, again, neither one had formal educations, but like most immigrants of the day, they were hardworking, and they were quick to learn. Did they continue at GE after the war? Uh, They did, both until uh, 
the 1950s, the late 1950s, and I think both were laid off. Some one retired at that point, and the other uh, was laid off. My dad's mother, uh, because of a family tragedy, uh, my great grandfather, who I never knew, passed away from cancer. Uh, about a month and a half after World War II started. So she was a widow with six children and actually needed to go to work. So she kind of dropped everything, and the oldest child was like 15, and she could help with uh, babysitting, and uh, other relatives and friends pitched in. But she needed to work strictly for, uh, for economics. And what about your parents? Did they work for GE? Surprisingly enough, neither one worked at GE. Okay. Both followed uh, other callings. Well, but that's interesting. And, uh, I've had sev- several uncles. experiences with GE myself. I lived in Pittsfield for a number of years working in a radio. And I, I remember when we first got to Pittsfield, uh, we, we went to, let's say, a cocktail party. Uh, somebody would come up, and I remember it happening to my wife. To my wife, and she would say to my wife, uh, "Where do, you know what department your husband work in?" And, GE and she said it doesn't work at GE and my wife said that they looked at her like oh you poor dear you must uh, what what do you do well along those same lines bob actually my fam my immediate family aunts uncles and first cousins later uh, we have over two centuries of work experience at GE i happened to tabulate that up the other day and i was really surprised by the number so between the four grandparents several aunts and uncles and Two first cousins, along with myself, we we have something like 212 years of GE service huh. in in that immediate part of the family. I mean, sorry to be so nosy, but I mean, what did your parents do for for a living? Well, because of uh, circumstances, neither one actually had a chance at formal education. My dad ended up working for the uh, city school system. He was a clerk for the city schools. And my mom ended up uh, in basically secretarial work, but ended up in a communications job at Ellis Hospital. And because she was fluent in several languages, she was often called upon to do translations in uh, emergency-type situations where they would get either Italian or Spanish-speaking patients who were under great duress and uh, they needed to get translators. She uh, she did a lot of... Uh, she volunteered to do that part of her, her job. Yeah, it sounds like important work. We're talking with Michael Davey, uh, who is author of the book Privileged, Experiences from My Unusual 40-Year Career with One of America's Most Iconic Companies. But you come along and you go to college and become an engineer. Uh, how, did, how did that happen? Yes, well, that's why one of the reasons I considered myself privileged is because I was basically the first one in the family to uh, to have the opportunity to go to college and get a, a degree. So I became the first uh, professional employee of GE in the family, and that all came about really from uh, probably all stems all the way back to first grade when the uh, nuns in our school allowed us to watch the first uh, space launch of Alan Shepard. And I became uh, enamored with with space and airplanes and everything science-related. And that fire that got lit back then just never, never quit and drove me into uh, science and technology areas. 
What uh, school did you go to, and what neighborhood you live in? You lived, I presume, in Schenectady. Yes, at the I time. lived in the old, in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood, and I attended a local Catholic school, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which was literally a block away from my house. And was lucky enough in high school went to Mount Pleasant High School, which I mentioned in the book at the time was the top technical high school in the area. All the folks, uh, all the local schools bust their advanced students to our school because we had uh, probably the best science and technology program in the whole whole region. Hmm. And I was and I'm, very I'm not, fortunate right. to benefit from that. And I'm not talking about your personality, but what kind of engineer are you? Well, I was a, I'm a mechanical engineer, but perhaps not in the in the strict mechanical sense at RPI, where I later uh, got my BS degree uh, in mechanical, the department was kind of a combined department that combined aerospace, aeronautics, and mechanical. So I took all of my electives. Uh, I was interested in propulsion and jet engines and rockets and things like that. I took all of my electives in the uh, aero, aero part of the program rather than the gears and widgets that mm. traditional mechanical engineers might pursue. Well, that's uh, a, quite a, a good school, of course, uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, Troy, New York. Uh, it's a private school. How did you afford it? Well, I had actually started out uh, at the University of South Florida in Tampa after my first choice, Union College, didn't, didn't accept me, not because of grades, but because they had a quota on accepting local, uh, local residents into their programs. So I went to a, a public school in Florida, which was probably as, almost as cheap as most uh, public schools were uh, in New York State at that time. Uh, mainly because my grandfather had settled in the Tampa-St. Pete area, and I knew the area from spending a lot of time down there growing up. Uh, and then I transferred to RPI, and they gave me a, a scholarship to uh, to go to join as a junior. And I took my junior and senior year with uh, with a half scholarship at uh, at RPI. But my parents made a lot of sacrifices to uh, to get me through there, and I'll always be grateful to for that. That was uh, the huge turning point in my life to to be able to get an education and hope to pay that forward a little bit with the book. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you when you graduated. I'm just trying to set this in the context of the years. In 76, this, I was the uh, bicentennial class from RPI. In a okay. year when RPI didn't even have a president, uh, I was a year too soon before George Lowe from the Apollo program came over and took over the following year as president, but uh, I graduated in the bicentennial year of 1976. About that. And did you go right to work for GE? Literally, I did, because I had, two years prior to that, I had stumbled in uh, to, literally was a walk on off the street to what was then called a co-op assignment. Now it's called internships due to an aunt that was a placement director at community college, she, uh, she was putting folks, uh, two-year graduates into, uh, technical jobs at GE and she just couldn't get enough students there. So she sent me over there one, the summer between my, uh, before I started at RPI and GE hired me and that really opened the door for me. They, they literally hired me right out of college. Uh, the, 
I graduated on a Friday, and the following Monday I started at GE. <laughs> about that? And you stayed there. I mean, you and didn't I go ever there, leave. Ups and downs, and uh, all kinds of things, even a layoff, and all kinds of perturbations. GE went through from the seventies right up till recent years. We're talking with Michael Davey. You're listening to the Historian's Podcast. Back with Michael in uh, just a moment. He uh, lives in Niskayuna, New York, which is a suburb of Schenectady now. Uh, and he's author of a book called Privileged Experiences from My Unusual 40-Year Career with One of America's Most Iconic Companies. The Historian's Podcast depends on your support to keep going. We have our GoFundMe campaign underway for... 2019. Uh, contributions have been uh, coming in. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can uh, find how to give by going to the GoFundMe website or go to our website, bobcudmore.com, and you can uh, click on our specific campaign. If you'd rather not donate uh, through the uh, internet using your credit card, you can send me a check, make a check out to Bob Cudmore, and send to Bob Cudmore 125. Horseman Drive in Glenville, New York, and the zip code is 12302. Once again, thank you very much. Michael Davey is our guest on the Historian's Podcast, a book about his career with General Electric called Privileged. Uh, What products did you work on at GE? I think my career was most defined probably by gas turbines, Bob. That's that's really where I made my name and where I learned and contributed the most to GE in uh, supporting gas turbines, uh, both in component designs uh, earlier in my career and later as an application engineer where I helped the sales and marketing guy sell our uh, power turbine products uh, around the world. So you were kind of part of the sales force? Is that what it became or no? Well, we were still considered part of engineering, but that part of engineering was we really didn't make or were not responsible for any products. Our job was to provide technical assistance to sales to uh, to sell products. You say that um, you worked in services engineering. What What does that mean? Yes. in In the early years when I first started and later in my career, as kind of a culmination, I, I ended up in services. Services business sir, offered technical services to do repairs, uh, maintenance on GE equipment, basically. And some of our equipment is pretty complicated, as you might guess, and takes quite a bit of technical knowledge and skills to do repairs and maintenance on that equipment. Which is why they needed an engineer or engineers in that area? Exactly, exactly. Even the some of the equipment required development of specialized tools and the use and knowledge of those tools and the understanding of the equipment and how it works, how it comes apart, how it, how it goes together, and how to uh, special coatings on, on hot parts, thing, things like that are all kind of proprietary information, very specialized, and GE offered many different packages and levels of service for for their equipment. Now, gas turbines, I mean, it's a machine that generates electricity, is that correct? Yes, it's really called a prime mover because the gas turbine part actually is the part that provides the energy to turn the generators, which are mounted on the end of the turbine, and the generators are the part that actually create the electricity. 
you uh, write that you had extraordinary work assignments. What was one of those? I, I did, Bob, and, and that's why the word unusual is in the subtitle of the book. From the very first day I started, literally two hours into my first day, I got tabbed to, to do a very unusual job, which was to play jet engine noises to a flock of seagulls down in a wildlife preserve in New Jersey. And there's a lot more behind that story. Uh, GE had just come out with the new CF-6 engines, which were on the all the wide-body planes of that era, the 747s, DC-10s, L-1011s. And those engines were thought to, because of a number of bird strikes, were thought to possibly have frequencies that they were emitting that were attracting birds. So GE spent a lot of money, and they hired myself and a bunch of other company experts. I literally got to work with some of the top people in the company because this was considered a very hot topic. Uh, And for a new guy to get thrown into that on his first day was just absolutely incredibly amazing and fortunate. And I had a ball doing it. And I worked with some really fantastic people. Over over 30 years now, I've lived in Glenville, which is home to a good number of, of GE engineers. And you sometimes hear engineers depicted as being very smart, but hard to live with, demanding individuals. Are you one of those? Boy, I don't think so. I I was considered by most of the folks I worked with to uh, to be a lot of fun to work with. And I, most of the engineers I worked with were uh, super, you know, they were some of the best people in GE. I just had the great fortune of working, being paired up with some of the top talent, and I seemed to get along with them pretty well. I I don't know if it was anything magic or just luck or, or what, but something seemed to drive me to, to work with these folks, and we got along quite well, and they all taught me, uh, they were all much smarter than me, I think, and I just was a sponge to absorb all all that they were teaching. Can you identify, you say you, you worked with fascinating characters, you know, a character either by name or, or just uh, in general, you know, who are some of these people and what made them interesting? Absolutely. Well, Berkeley Davis comes to mind right away. He, Dr. Berkeley Davis was probably one of the major influences on my career very early on. His dad was a vice president. He's He's a really sharp guy, probably one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with in my whole career. He's part of the National Academy of Engineering, which, you know, very few people get invited to join that. He's got awards and patents uh, galore. He just was a super, super smart guy, and he transferred technology. He he single-handedly developed some components that really are still in our gas turbines 50 years later. He's, he's retired and in the area, and still a close personal friend of mine. Uh, he was a great, great influence and kind of a informal mentor through, through much of my career. I would go to him when I had issues or concerns, and he always had good advice for me. You also say that um, in, your, in your job at GE, there was global adventure, drama, success, and tragedy. Uh, all of those things. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, through my work with the sales folks, I, I really got to do quite a bit of exotic travel to uh, to all points of the globe, to neat places like Singapore and Australia and Japan, and 
and half a dozen European countries and many trips to, to London and and places, uh, capital cities uh, around uh, Europe. Uh, so part of that, that was a lot of uh, a very interesting and, and fun trip just to see the different cultures and the different way uh, people worked in those locations. Uh, I took a, a number of trips on the corporate jet, which we had a manufacturing facility in Greenville, South Carolina. And I found out uh, early in my com- combustion part of my career that that plane flew down every Wednesday. It made a round trip to Greenville. And if you were needing to go to Greenville and there was nobody higher in the company that needed to travel, you could ride on that plane. Really? I did that uh, a number of times. And because I was taking flying lessons at the time, right out of Schenectady Airport, where this plane flew, I happened to ask the first captain if I could come up to the cockpit while we were in flight. And his response really stunned me. Not only did he say I could come up to the cockpit, he said I could ride in the cockpit with them in the jump seat the whole flight. And I did that. And it was absolutely incredible for a young 23-year-old student pilot of Cessnas to ride in the cockpit of a of a two-seat, you know, two-engine Falcon jet was just phenomenal. And it even went beyond that, Bob, because the guy who was the captain that day happened to be the chief pilot of GE. His name was Captain Jim Farrell. And as I learned from his co-pilot through the flight, this fellow was a legendary World War II hero who flew more missions in a B-26 than anybody else. And in fact, his plane was in the Smithsonian, which I later went down to see and actually took a picture of the nose of his airplane that was in the Smithsonian uh, with me standing in front of it. So it was just an incredible, incredible day that uh, I'll never forget. I guess I'm going to ask you to dwell, though, maybe on the negative for a moment. When you say there was tragedy, disappointment, I think you said a few minutes ago that at some point you were laid off. That's uh, right. I was going to go right back to that. Uh, at the end of my combustion career, I just pulled off a huge successful test at, at one of our customers in the Southwest and came home expecting a big award and instead fell right into a layoff. But uh, what happened is GE found me a temporary job like almost immediately, and from there I was able to uh, leverage uh, my position to get another job with uh, Knowles Atomic for a brief period, and that allowed me to continue my uh, master's degree education, which I had started, and allowed me to stay with GE. And along the way, there there was a, uh, a tragedy, a suicide of a of a coworker that I had been working very closely with that uh, that shocked all of us, uh, and and that was a real difficult tragedy to, to deal with and to get through. I, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but you're, you're really not trained to observe things like that in other people and, and to sense things. And really how you deal with it is, uh, is very, very difficult uh, for engineers who are trained as technologists, not really as, uh, as sociologists, I guess, to mm-hmm. spot things in other people that... Uh, that may be signs that perhaps some of us could have done some things to intervene on. I, 
I don't know if you'll agree, but it seems to me that GE has been going through a rough patch recently uh, as a company. Uh, the stock price plunged, dividend went down to, what was it, a penny or two pennies a share. What, what do you think is the future for GE? Well, that's a really good question. And for, for those of us that are uh, retirees that get together periodically, we're all uh, greatly disappointed and disheartened by what's happened uh, to GE uh, whether it's going to survive uh, this is, is a really good question. It's going to be a very, very different company going forward. I hope this new guy, Culp, that's the CEO, can get things turned around. But the problems are, are long-term problems that had been festering for quite some time. I think they go back to the Welch era, and I think Welch did some things that were, you know, at the time he was – you know, hailed for for doing these fantastic things, but he basically turned GE from a technology company into a bank and an insurance company. And that almost cost the whole company in 2008 during the big crisis. If it wasn't uh, for some bailout money uh, they they received, uh, they, they would never have uh, survived even 2008. And then certainly the, the board has was not doing its job in overseeing the the most recent uh, CEO Jeff Amell, who succeeded Welch, and that's that's really left a lot of us uh, very distraught over over what's become of all the hard work and and technology uh, efforts we put into the company. When did you retire? In May of 2016, almost. Uh, just about 14 days from to the day when I was hired uh, 40 years prior to that. And yet you see another goal of your uh, book, uh, encouraging young people to consider careers in technology. Yes, I think uh, a couple of points there, Bob. I, I definitely want to uh, emphasize how important education was because it really changed the whole trajectory of my life and gave me a chance that that few that no one before me in the family really had, and uh, I, I think it's a great field. I think there's a there's a need. We, we've got a lot of problems in this world, and I think uh, technology offers uh, many many solutions to those problems. We just need uh, need folks to get in and and be interested in that field and contribute. The book is uh, available now. Uh, by Michael Davey called Privileged Experiences from My Unusual 40-Year Career with One of America's Most Iconic Companies. Uh, tell us about its uh, availability. Where where can this uh, book be found and purchased? Like many books, it can be uh, it can be found uh, on Amazon, the, both the e-book copy and the, and the soft uh, cover copy. Uh, it's also available from the bookhouse of Stuyvesant Plaza, and also the market block books in uh, River Street in Troy, New York, which is right across the street from our, my publisher, Troy Bookmakers. Now that you've written this uh, book and, and brought it out, do you expect to write other books? I almost get the impression that you do. Not, not right away, Bob, but perhaps uh, maybe even a book on some of the experiences of writing this book and some of the things that have uh, come out. I'm going to be giving some talks. I, I've Last week, gave a talk at Siena College to a 
to a technology class. And I hope to do more of that and uh, some library talks and also with the Schenectady Historical Society. So I, uh, I plan to uh, promote it a little bit and see if I can leverage the book to maybe encourage others to consider technology careers. In that talk in, at Siena College, do you recall anything that the uh, younger people, were they interested in technology careers? Yes, actually they were, and they asked me, you know, about some of the, some of the things I would, would have done different and, and some other things that they should study besides just science and technology. So I told them the thing I would, would have done probably more formally that I kind of did informally was to have a mentor and a, and a kind of hero that you could lean on and go to throughout your career. I, I used Berkeley as that person. Michael Davey is author of the book Privileged Experiences from My Unusual 40-Year Career with one of America's most iconic companies. You're listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.